I'm Brittany Ashley. And I'm Laura Zach. And this is Sicker Sadder World, the podcast where we rewatch Daria and relate it to our current world. How's it going? Cried at a Honda dealership yesterday. Ooh, ouch. What what uh, happened there? Well, I was trying to lease a car, and it turns out that when you have a lot of unpaid student loans, you can't. <laughs> wow, you left us hanging there. Yeah, I really wanted you guys to come up with what it could have been. But yeah, it was it was one of those situations where it's like, fuck. Yeah, I having recently gone through that process with getting my car, it also is unfortunate because that's one of the last steps they make you do. So you go through the whole headache of going back and forth with them on negotiations where I feel like it'd be better if as soon as you get in there, before you even test drive a car, they're like, yo, we're going to do the credit check first. Well, that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. Well, like the first two that I went to, it was just like haggle, haggle, haggle. And I talked one guy down real hard, but then he came back and was like, yeah, I, I lied. I can't do any of that. And so I went to Honda and then this guy was like, we should run the credit check first. And I was like, I don't think so, sir. I'm going to test drive these cars. And then it turns out that I absolutely should have done that first. Oh, I see. So that was suggested. <laughs> yeah. He was he was a younger, more honest dude. And the other guys, one's name was Johnny Peta, if that tells you anything. I'm sorry to hear that. The world is set up for us to fail. You mean us like millennials? Especially millennials, I think. Yeah, it's a classic. You got to have money to make money. And I saw that your therapist gave you a really helpful worksheet. Yeah, which is a really nice thing to do on Father's Day is fill out uh, an activity sheet that invites me to recall childhood memories and the positive and negative attributes of my parents. And Ginger's going to plug that into some sort of database and tell me something about myself. I think it's um it's called the Imago or Imago. It's I-M-A-G-O. And it's sort of a an update. From what I understand, it's like an update to the Freudian theory of being attracted to, you know, the heteronormative Freudian theory of being attracted to your mother or your father. So this one tells you if your mom or your dad is into you also. It's kind <laughs> of like a swipe right or swipe left situation. It, it finds the blend of the qualities of the two of them that you've carried on in yourself and that I imagine maybe you're looking for in certain patterns relationally. So I am ready to learn. And also I called my dad earlier today and managed to not take the bait when he tried to engage me in a fight about the Me Too movement. It's like, not today, dad. <laughs> Talking to him at all about anything to do with a woman who has been assaulted by a man will immediately be like, well, a lot of people make that stuff up to further, you know, for their own gains or you know for revenge or whatever and it's just like you know you can't really bite back on father's day where well i could have but trying to Ugh. ascend yeah but happy father's day everyone happy father's we're day. recording this on father's day happy father's day jake happy father's day mr landon andrew yeah Brittany's dad steve taylor <laughs> wow you're good at this i'm good with parents la 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 this is my style Got to get up Or I might fall 
Excuse me. Excuse me. I've got to be Season 5, Episode 9. Laugh Life in the past lane. Who sang that? Joe Walsh. Mm, Happy classic. Father's Day, Joe Walsh. Happy Father's Day, Joe Walsh's father. Daddy Walsh. And we get to see Jane this episode like we have literally never seen her before. It's as if they took one of those freeze frames during the ending credits where all the characters are dressed up in almost like different cosplay and we're like what turned... if this is a whole episode yeah what if what if jane just looked like this yeah. for a whole episode and i was pretty into it visually Ugh. only her only yeah. her not the company she kept this isn't the first time that jane has changed her aesthetic and her interests to match a guy that she's interested in you thinking about the running episode? I'm thinking about that fucking running episode. Yeah, it turns out that Jane's one of those types who is a strong, independent woman, really has a load of autonomy, seems to really you know, know what she wants. But when she gets bit by that love bug or that attraction bug, she is kind of a chameleon. But it happened incredibly quickly. In this episode, to a degree I was not expecting. In a time where they didn't have YouTube tutorials, like, how did she learn how to do her hair that quickly? How did she... I know they say that these clothes were just, like, in the attic, but it's like, how did she all of a sudden have this, like, 40s aesthetic? I feel... Like, this is another little sign that Jane and Trent are somewhat Trustafarians. They live in this big old house. I mean, I, I don't, I imagine they must Trustaf- have Trustafarians. Is this a term? Yeah, it's like, it's like, um, Rastafarian meets, um, Trust Fund Baby. Well, that would, that would more apply to Trent, but they're both like have money from their parents because I think otherwise Trent would be forced to have more of a job. They just kind of live alone in this big house. The parents aren't really there. All of the kids seem to have their own ventures. Like, I just get the sense that they don't really worry about money. Like, she has to buy all those art supplies. I wouldn't be surprised if just suddenly she was like, this is going to be kind of my aesthetic adventure for the week is going to thrift store, going to like vintage shops Mm -hmm. and finding these outfits. But should we go get into it from the top? From the top, please. This is a Tom, Daria, Jane heavy episode. They seem very acclimated now to all hanging out together. But one thing I really liked about the way they hung out in this episode is that they're so comfortable now that Jane feels comfy cozy to sling zingers at them, basically calling out the fact that she used to date Tom and making Tom and Daria really uncomfortable about it. Oh, totally. It's like, if she's interested in anyone else, is Daria inevitably going to be interested in that person? And that's what they keep making jokes about. Really, she's the only one that makes jokes about it. Tom, he, he had a few zingers this episode. Like when he says, is that any way to talk to your future boyfriend? Yes, exactly. So at first they're just walking and they're trying to go to get to the post office before it closes and Jane gets distracted by an art 
supplies store and says something kind of sexual sounding about an eraser. Something about like, I want to go get a juicy eraser. The other weird thing about this episode is there's kind of two simultaneous A stories going on that don't seem to have any relation to each other. Unfortunately, the other A story has to do with Upchuck. But Upchuck has taken to performing magic. Close up magic. Sleight of hand. We see Kevin and Brittany watching a card trick and he baffles them. And in the course of performing the trick, gets Brittany to pull a card out of his front pocket with her teeth, which is pretty on point for his You doing personal. okay? No, I'm never doing okay. Seem a little down. Are you, are you trying to do a... It's been a minute. It has been a minute, but I was I'm starting to mirror your energy and I felt kind of down and sad. So it made me wonder, where's your head at? Um, I'm not really sure how to get into it because I've been trying, as you know, a new thing. This relationship of talking less about the relationship on air. And so all I can say is tears were also shed, but not at a Honda dealership. I still haven't met my roommate's exorcist new girlfriend. Thank you for that update. Um, But the reason I bring it up is because it's still TBD if my issues are demon related or just, you know, going for the unattainable um, romantic patterns related. Mm, Yeah, I think this all comes back to the worksheet. Yeah, can't wait. I have I actually have therapy that the night that this episode comes out. So be thinking of me, y'all. <laughs> I'm going to get those answers. So back to this weird looking zoot suit riot looking fuck, Nathan. And if they got married and he took her last name, his name would be Nathan Lane. And I thought that was pretty fun. It's like very clear that this guy is very obsessed with the past. Like he's one of those people that just thinks that the past is like the golden age of everything. It kind of reminds me of like Midnight in Paris. I feel like most straight women have slept with a guy like that's really obsessed with fashion's past. I sure have. Please tell. It was in college and he had a little bit of a similar aesthetic, definitely the similar amount of product in the hair, but this guy's hair was even longer, maybe like chin length. And he had kind of like a, I don't know the terms for clothes. Um, What's, uh, is it ragabilly? What, ragamuffin? (laughs) Rockabilly. Rockabilly. (laughs) It was sort of like a rockabilly. Oh, you little ragamuffin. (laughs) (laughs) He rode a... (laughs) He rode rode a motorcycle. He, um, he wore, like, a leather vest and kind of... He actually kind of had, like, a, a caveman meets vampire rockabilly aesthetic. His name was Aaron, and before he very briefly dated me, he dated this other girl named Erin, so they were known as the Erins on campus, and he made his own kombucha in his dorm room, which was, I don't know if you've ever seen kombucha made, but it's just a bunch of, like, disgusting, floating mushrooms fucking each other in a big jar. Yeah, it's like a creepy lava lamp. The creepiest. And he didn't brush his teeth before bed. I brushed my teeth before we did this episode. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> just in case like any of your breath aura bounced off of the microphone back into yourself or toward me because you're a, a generous considerate person but he was a nice guy and to be fair he actually was like the first straight man I ever slept with who really um prioritized my pleasure in sex which like even so now that's even, retro yeah exactly and so even though he's because of other things that I won't get into because I don't want to shame him too hard in this podcast but because of other reasons, like I definitely was not interested and wanted to end it quickly, but that was one takeaway. That was a nice thing. This wasn't the teacher, right? No, this okay. is an age appropriate peer at co in college. And yeah, he, he definitely had this, this sort of thing going on. I slept with a guy who I think only had one t-shirt and it was a 311 shirt. That's kind of the past. Yeah, the longer he sticks with it, the more it will be. So this magician stuff, and specifically the magic trick with the cups, really brought back one of the worst afternoons of my college life, which is when I was on my way to the Cubs game, and I was on the red line, and there's this magician in a gold suit who was doing the cups trick. The minimum bet was $100. And if you won, then you got $200 back. So it was like a two to one situation. And the people in front of me, they won. And so they won $100. And me being a college kid, I had such little money to my name, but I did have $100 for this game specifically. And being someone incredibly competitive. Yeah, that I was just like, how fucking cool would it be if I won an extra $100 and I got to buy beers for all me and all my friends for this entire game. And so I bet and there was someone behind me that like tapped my shoulder and distracted me for a second. And so I kind of like lost it. And everyone on the train, like all the people that were on the train were like, no, it's this one. It's this one. So I chose that one and it was the wrong one. And so I lost $100 and then my friend, Rachel, that I was with, she was like, here, I've got $50. Like, we could win it back. And so I was like, will you accept $50? And he's like, okay. So now I'm out $150. Like, yeah, you dumb bitch. And then of it fucking I... happens again. And then everyone that was telling me where the, which cup it was under all got off at the same stop. Like, this, this was their con. And the people who won were posing as just like regular patrons who won when really it was all rigged for them to do like a sleight of hand while someone is distracting you and gets in your so way. Did the person who tapped you on the shoulders, they were part of it? Yeah. Wow. And like someone would like pass by like it was a whole fucking performance and I was out $150 and I was so sad. It's funny that yours is a base, somewhat baseball anecdote, because one of the things I didn't say about my old timey ragamuffin is that <laughs> yeah, old timey ragamuffin is that I super didn't want to be with him anymore. We only dated for like three weeks. But the way that I finally broke up with him is I was trying to show him a documentary. Wait, you talked about this before. Yeah, I know. That's that guy. Oh, we! I think we were so high. The fake rewarded guy. Yeah, and you were telling the story while we, we were, were both high, high and I was I, like, "This is a lot to follow," and I don't. Yeah, I stopped listening. That, that, that's why I felt like I'd. Oh, it all comes together. I felt like I had told the story before, but I also felt like I hadn't, and it's because we were stoned. That's why that checks <laughs> out. But yeah, basically, him falling asleep meant I had to break up with him. 
Upchuck's still doing his magic thing. He also starts to get somewhat of an interest in Stacy. And I think because Stacy is always so ostracized from the fashion club, any like extra attention, I think she's kind of willing to entertain in a way. Like, I don't think it's on her end a flirty thing. I think it's more just like, oh, you recognize me as worthy? I don't know. I didn't think it was quite so desperate on her part. Like, I somewhat think she genuinely is interested in the artistry of magic. Like, she seemed like she, the original reason she hung back to talk to him is she really wanted to know how he did the trick. And later when she gets involved in his show, it feels more industrious than romantic. So some of my favorite Jane Zingers about Nathan and Tom are when he when she first admits to Tom and Daria that she asked this guy out and they kind of are like giving her shit about it. She says to Daria, what if I didn't have the nerve to ask guys out, you wouldn't have a boyfriend. Ooh, sick. What is this, a roast? Did you notice that when Jane first tells them that she's going out with him, Daria kind of like does this thing where she implies he might be gay? I don't know if I picked that up. She kind of like talks about his style and his interests. And there's this moment where she kind of trails off. And I forget Jane's response, but like the moment implies that Jane's like, no, that's not the case. Interesting. But let's talk about what the case is, is that Jane's wearing this fucking dress. And also she opines that Tom and Daria are in a rut. And so Tom and Daria's whole conflict throughout the whole episode is Daria listening to that and thinking that maybe she and Tom are in a rut. Well, it reminds me of that time that Daria was questioning her relationship with Tom because all they were doing was really hanging out at home. And then Jane kind of nonchalantly talked about the things they went out in the world and did together. Right. And Tom ended up saying something kind of douchey, like, oh, yeah, those were all just bells and whistles because I didn't really like Jane that much. (laughs) That was basically his response when Daria pressed him on it. Yeah. And so as a resolution, he takes her to like TGI Fridays. Like, let's try something new. Here's shenanigans or Bennigan's or whatever. Yeah, it was like a version of that restaurant from the off, uh, from Office Space that Jennifer Aniston works at. Right. With all the flair. And then Jane, she's on this date and I gasped because she looks so beautiful. Same. I wrote my note says, holy hell, Jane's dress. I said, oh my fucking God, Jane. Gasp. And they're at this place. It's kind of reminiscent of like the Green Mill. If you've ever been there in Chicago, it's like an underground jazz club. Oh, I've been Oh, great. Where people swing dance and um, talk about communism. When he says, do you want to cut a rug? She says, just call me Scissors Girl. Did they not have a okay. lesbian on staff? No, I don't believe they did. But honestly, if they had had one on staff, the, the line would have been like, just call me Scissors Girl. But we don't actually do that. <laughs> so in an interview, Anne Bernstein, who wrote this episode says that she was very much involved in swing dancing culture when she wrote this episode and said, if you're into swing retro culture, you'll get the subtle nuances. So if anyone is really into that world, I'd love to hear what the subtle nuances were. Yeah, I didn't really see anything subtle about him using terms like Frankie come lately in 18 carat and seeming very (laughs) Dick Tracy or Chicago. Like there was nothing subtle about it. But maybe she means there's sort of like inside baseball 
talk that we didn't get. Totally. Like, it wasn't even on our radar. And then, do you remember that moment where uh, he calls someone the PC police? Yeah, there was things about him that felt very Make America Great Again. Yeah. Like, very, like, oh, don't you miss when it those times when it was so quaint and charming to be a white person right to be to be a straight white guy named nathan so then we see jane again and she has a whole other hairstyle and she has this whole collection of arm length gloves like where the fuck did these come from and how did she learn these so quickly do you think that this was always an interest of hers and she just met someone who brought this out of her because i think that with the running episode which it's just called the running episode. She was interested in running. Like this was something that she had done before. So when she met this guy, it was kind of like they had this overlapping interest and he was just bringing it out of her more. But this is something we've never seen before. I think that, you know, given that her fashion is usually pretty minimalist in the sense that she only wears one outfit, um, you know, that I think is somewhat consistent with like a kind of minimalist artist lifestyle stereotype but I think maybe the the costume aspect like I think there are a lot of artists I know who really lean in to precise costuming when given the opportunity Mm. like using their body as a canvas somewhat so I could see her getting into it in that way and appreciating the, the detail in that way but I don't get the sense it's something that she was always hoping for an opportunity to do. I just think she was sort of like, meh, okay, I'll roll with it. This could be cool. Nathan is not making a great impression on the people in Jane's lives. He's he's kind of a dick. But then we get to Upchuck's big performance and Stacy is his assistant. We're meant to believe that Stacy was incompetent in trying to figure out how to open this giant chest that Upchuck is trapped in so everyone in the auditorium thinks that he's probably going to suffocate and please Laura tell us your take on this scene of fucking performance art I loved how there's sort of a justice served upon the fashion club it's like she allowed them to think that she had failed just so that she could show how hard she'd actually succeeded. It was truly like a Kaiser Sose moment, and it elicited a huge gasp out of me. So As- many gasps this episode. It was a lot. I- yeah, I was hyperventilating. Um, But my favorite moment was when she said, oh, Sandy, you're so naive. Totally. She has found her power and her voice. Between this episode, this moment, and the caricature moment... Like, fuck, Stacy's like quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. Totally. So one of the ways that Daria becomes disillusioned about Nathan is when they try to go on a double date to this, like, I guess it's just people swing dancing in a parking lot. It's like at a big drive-in theater parking lot and lots of Nathan's people who are dressed up are there to swing dance. And on the drive over, Daria basically calls him out on sort of the hypocrisy and, and problematic nature of his idealizing the past. And when he's like, oh, don't you miss the Civil War era of, you know, the time of beauty and elegance and timelessness? And she's like, and segregation and war and all of these things like and Tom picks up on the fact that she is not feeling Nathan 
so Jane and Nathan get into a fight before they break up and it's brought on because she's mixing like a 40s dress with like 50s shoes or something like that and he says that she's mixing attire for the eras and something comes up about her owning sweatpants and he's like you own sweatpants she starts to realize that he is more vigilant than she was down for like she was down to clown and to play along and do the damn thing with her um outfits and no that was not a bachelorette season reference (laughs) but as soon as she realizes that he takes himself a little bit too seriously she chimes in and calls his interest a fad and then he's like no retro is forever it sets us apart from the vapidness of today again just like someone who is holding on to something and in the past and is not interested in progress and also it's like the thing that she was initially attracted to about him was his sense of style and ultimately when she got to know him more she realized that it wasn't just a facet of him but was like his entire makeup like it was an obsession that he had and I think that that's not totally uncommon when you first starting to get to know someone or the thing that you're most attracted to uh, ends up being the thing that you resent about them completely. I don't know. It, it's different when like you find out that someone has a quirky hobby of liking to go to the Ren Fair once every year. Or... I think. I mean, I think a lot of it is that like he's unwilling to negotiate that anything else is also good. Like, he, he's like, this is the best era ever, and this is exactly how you do things, and if it's not how you feel, you're a fucking idiot. Like, I think that it's total like, it's obviously very normal and cool to have interests and quirky interests at that, but to make it seem like your interests are the only interests that matter are just that, I think it's that approach more. Yeah, that's true. And also, there was no room for meeting Jane halfway. We didn't see one beat of him taking an interest in what she's into or them going to an art show or him dressing more like her. Like, he was very much one of those people who is fixed, is is traveling on a fixed orbit that if you want to hang out with him, you have to jump onto that orbit. It's not like a merging of worlds. It's you having to meet him where he is. Yeah. And that's not sustainable for a relationship. She would only be hanging out with his friends. She'd only be fucking zoot suit rioting. She would never get to do anything she really wanted to do. Did I ever tell you about this aspect of when I dated that woman in that particularly controlling, somewhat emotionally abusive woman in Chicago? How like... She literally would say that. She was like, we're not going to be hanging out with your friends. We're not going to be splitting checks at restaurants. We're not going to... Like like she would pay for it? No, she just basically... She was 10 years older than me and had quite a lot of money. And at the time, I was in my mid-20s and working for a nonprofit. And most of my friends were struggling and didn't have a lot of money and were hand-to-mouth. And a lot of her friends were like in advertising or owned wine shops or were business owners and were more established and owned condos in Streeterville, et cetera, et cetera. And she was basically saying, like, if you're going to date me, you need to be catching up to my speed. I'm not going to come down to your level. One time we got drinks with my friends and she was mortified that we were splitting the check because it suggested that we were too poor, that someone couldn't just, like, step in and take care of it. Ew. And then... 
um, my best friend at the time had said something about like she and her boyfriend had gone on a weekend trip to Ikea to get something for her apartment. And my girlfriend was like, I just can't hear people talking about Ikea. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it was a, uh, or she would be like, you know, I, I don't like that if I, if you crashed my car you wouldn't be able to afford to fix it and i was like don't you have insurance but <laughs> yeah but it's a different conversation <laughs> but anyway it's it's very much it was very much an example of this like some people are just completely shameless in expressing that and it's a fine line to walk because i understand becoming particular about the type of relationship and partnership you want and the type of partner that you want to invite in. And it's understandable to want the person to be in equivalent like stage of life so that you are meeting each other more as equals. But you also can't predict who you're going to fall for. And if you do fall for someone that maybe falls outside of what you imagined for yourself, it's really fucked up and borderline abusive to try to punish them for just things that are naturally true about their life that are different from yours. Yeah, so... Luckily, they break up, and afterwards, she kind of apologizes to Daria in a way by saying, you knew he was a jerk, didn't you? And Daria's like, well, yeah. And then Jane follows up with the final zinger of the episode, which is, I should have known when you didn't try to steal him from me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's so great that they can joke about that. I think that they forced Jane's coolness too quickly. It, from the writing side, you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't feel like it's very realistic. No. I mean, but unless, like we've talked about before, unless it was just so clear to these individuals that their priority was their relationship with each other, like they may on some level know, like, Tom's not going to last. Possibly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sicker Sadder World. We are cruising through season five, the final season. Vroom, vroom. We'll be covering all of the remaining episodes and Is It College Yet? The final film. Um, until then, please consider continuing to follow us and support us on our Patreon. Um, you can find us on Twitter at SickerSatter. We have a website, SickerSatterWorld.com. And also, please don't fret if you're sad about losing us. Because, because we have another podcast called Angel on Top, where we are re-watching Angel every episode from the beginning, spoiler-free, working in tandem with Buffering the Vampire Slayer. And you know what? Angel's a real Daria. 